10 years ago, a small group of community members looked at the rusty rails that ran through their neighborhoods and saw the potential for a usable, beautiful public space. When completed, the rail park will connect more than 10 neighborhoods with three miles of continuous green space. A space for everyone, young and old, athletes and artists, neighbors and visitors alike. Friends of the Rail Park presents Sounds of the Rail Park, an audio guide to the sights, sounds, and spaces of the Rail Park. I'm Rebecca Cordes Chan, Executive Director of Friends of the Rail Park, and the next three episodes are part of a small series named The Three Mile Vision. This three episode series highlights the communities the Three Mile Rail Line touches and the promising future to transform the spaces into a park system. This podcast is about the hope, possibility, and neighborhood effects of giving an abandoned rail line a new life. This is a huge undertaking, so we teamed up with local journalist Nicole Curry to complete the series. Take a listen as she travels the rail line, focusing on three major parts, the viaduct, the cut, and the tunnel. The viaduct, what is the community around it and what does a park system mean for them? Let's start at the beginning. Here's Yue Wu. She saw phase one of the Braille Park from start to finish, but resides in a very different neighborhood than Callow Hill. She lives in Chinatown, where the viaduct portion of the rail line touches. As we expand the park system from Chinatown to Callow Hill and Poplar, Yue and Nicole discuss the process and lessons to carry on. How was the park impact the neighborhood and what kind of residents are benefited um, most from the public space development and what kind of uh, population need to pay for the negative impact of the public space development Um, and those are questions we keep asking and we hope to address Uh, My name is Yue Wu, and I'm the Neighbor Planning and Project Manager at Philadelphia Chinatown Development Corporation. Well, I've worked here for three years and lived here for a year now. PCDC's mission is to promote, preserve, and protect Chinatown. Um, So it's really trying to make Chinatown a better place to live, work, and play using neighborhood planning tools. When the um, idea of transforming the viaduct into a rail park proposed and presented to um, Chinatown community, um, PCDC originally opposed the project because the organization see the demo- demolition of the viaduct could help us um, develop more affordable housing in the neighborhood. I think um, one of the priorities for the neighborhood is housing. So Chinatown is located in Center City and uh, the housing price and the rent are going up so fast and a lot of new immigrants or immigrant families cannot afford living here anymore and there's no not there's not enough housing um, for them to 
purchase um, and to make a home here. Um, so over time, a lot of people um, chose to buy houses and living, for example, Northeast Philadelphia and South Philadelphia. Um, and Chinatown is still a hub for the Chinese American and Asian American in the area. But um, we are seeing less and less people being able to live here. But later on, there was a conversation about developing the road park alongside with affordable housing. And that that is a better model for for this project and the PCDC was more interested in that. But later on um the off of the housing element was not able to move forward and um I think it's also because of the funding limitation. It's very expensive to build a park and adding more um, affordable housing com components um, will be more um, costly. And then um, the real park was completed without um, the affordable, ho affordable housing component. And that was, um, and then the community was not very passionate about it afterwards. Cultural heritage preservation for me means to really honor people who live as a place and their traditions, their um, festivals, their businesses, their connections they established with each other and with the place. And Rural Park um, preserved the industrial heritage and really celebrated the industrial heritage. But to me, the question is, they, these people who worked in that Philadelphia's uh, words, work, workshop, they are, uh, they are not here anymore. And people we have in the neighborhood, we have some um, light industry manufacturers in the neighborhood. We have some uh, immigrant-owned uh, kitchen supplies, warehouses in the neighborhood. And um, although Real Park celebrated that uh, early industrial heritage, what about people who are still here right now? The Real Park is um, really a amenity to the neighborhood. That also means that it will bring in a different, uh, it will bring in new residents and who are different from um, who are already here right now. And um, how would this newcomers honor this part of heritage, which is different from what Red Park is celebrating? So that's a, that's a conflict I see. Thinking about um, Rural Park um, as an organization, it could help with advocacy, it will, could help with policy change, it could help with setting up certain 
um, models around the neighborhood to help capture the value brought by the rural park and redistribute it um, somehow to the neighborhood and to the community members. I don't have a clear idea how that will work, but I think there's a potential uh, that rural park can play a role like that. And also, when people talk about the expansion of the rural park, I think uh, we can we can learn our lessons from the the first phase of the rural park and be more careful and be more aware of the potential impacts of this kind of public space investment, and maybe it can um, be designed for uh, the neighborhood and be designed to be more inclusive and welcoming um, and also contribute to the preservation of the neighborhood. That was Yue Wu from Philadelphia Chinatown Development Corporation. Now for the present, as in what's happening now. We will start with the neighbors. That means those living in homes and those who are houseless. Nicole caught up with two neighbors who love their community, but are also trying to fill the gaps where those without can have a little bit more. Uh, okay, went to the hospital, lost my place. I got the money to move in somewhere, couldn't find a place, so I had to come here to the shelter. What sent you to the That's hospital? Uh, I had some complications, man. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't feeling good, so I went to the hospital to get some help. Right. Stayed in there about 30 days, and uh, now I'm out. You know, I got the money to move, but can't find nowhere to move at. I'm in a situation where I gotta wait for uh, a certain uh, uh, law to go by, you know, for me to uh, do what I gotta do as far as my, you know, my business and stuff goes. So I had to come to the shelter. The purpose of me sending you that, because I asked him to take a video without showing his face, was to show that people end up in shelters not just due to prison. Not just due to choice, not just... Like, granted, yes, he probably was on a rocky road prior to the pandemic, which is why he couldn't bounce back from the hospital. But so is everyone. Community members will end up in... Do, not will, do end up in places like this by circumstance, not by all... It's not all drunkenness. It's not all, you know... Catch that guy eight months from now, though, if he's still here, he might be, you know, any... It's, it's no telling what the future could hold for someone who's supported or not supported, you know? This is Robbie Long. He's lived in the Callow Hill neighborhood for five years. So when I say the first black person in the neighborhood specifically is that when I moved into my condos, there were no other brothers but me and my roommate, mostly like medical students, law students, things like that. When I first moved in this neighborhood, it was interesting. Like for me, it was dope because I was going to CCP and I was working at the Kimmel Center. So I could walk to school, walk to work, move around on the bus train. Today is more people, it's more brothers. So it's cool, the community is cool. I'm getting close to my neighbors. My thing is, some people wanna be involved and some people see a need to. I see a need for, to get involved while I'm here. I don't think that I'll be here forever but I think that it's a lot of awarenesses in not only the Asian and the black community, but the wealth to the non-wealth community. As far as living in shelters, housing, one, Sunday breakfast mission, 
three. I'm thinking about three or four if you include Gardenzia. But I do know that there is a lot of organizations who serve the houseless and those in need in this area, probably about a dozen. Um, my partner, she brought the idea to me, a community fridge. I've never, this was maybe 18 months ago. I've never heard of it, didn't know it, like why would I put a fridge outside? So fast forward, here we are today. A community fridge is just basically like if you've ever seen um, a give a book, take a book bookshelf. You know, you can leave books here for the community to grab, almost like a free library thing, except for you do it with resources and food and things of that nature. But if we do it, we could do it well. Build a pantry with the hutch. Similar, um, our model in Philly has been based off of the Germantown fridge and pantry, doing minus the electric fridge. But mostly just an installation here, a bench, and a place for this will be the site that I'm aiming to serve. My partner is looking to serve houseless people. And Robbie is not alone in his quest. It is a neighborhood initiative to place a food pantry in the area. Hello, everyone. My name is Samyukta Natarajan. I am a lover of community, a dancer, a dreamer. I am, during the day, the engagement specialist at Me Too International, which is the Me Too Movement's organization. I am also an educator and a college access coach for students in Philadelphia, the greater Delaware County area, um, as well as students across the tri-state. Um, but I think most importantly, I am a resident of the Callow Hill neighborhood um, and a very proud resident at that. Um, I'm here to talk to you all a little bit about my dream, vision, and desire to bring our community our very first community pantry. And this idea was born out of uh, this pandemic, realizing that so many... I am a, an educator, I am a dreamer, a program coordinator, um, and somebody who's really, really excited about helping to bring more resources and supports to the Callow Hill neighborhood. But I'm fairly new to the Callow Hill neighborhood. I think when I kind of compare it to other places that I've lived, it feels like it is a much more transient population. There are a lot of young folks. There are a lot of people who I don't know have lived there for too long. Um, and so the roots and sort of like the generational grounding that exists in other neighborhoods in Philadelphia doesn't feel like exists in Callow Hill, in the neighborhood that I live in. I think that there are a lot of beautiful people who really care, a lot of momentum and art and music and just like synergy and, and space for ideas, but I think that it we're in a, in a really, I don't know, maybe ideal position to start to mobilize a lot of that and start to get people to come together and and figure out how we want to have a stake in the ground and how we want to make this, this space home. My desire and sort of vision for this pantry is to bring one to our neighborhood because there is a need. And I think oftentimes I'll do grocery shopping to like buy things specifically for people I have built relationships with who are houseless. But I think that I'm one person and, and I know that that's not really meeting the full need of what, what exists in our community. So I would love for us to bring a community pantry to our space. So mutual aid has been a movement 
that has existed for far longer than you know this past year but i think with the covid pandemic we realized how much of like people's basic necessities were not being met and how regular people like us would be able to actually mobilize to get people what they need um, whether that was groceries or ppe or clothes or like toiletries and like things to sanitize with right like there are ways that we don't have to wait for somebody else to help somebody like we we have the capacity and the means to take care of each other even if you like are along the rail park and you look over to the other side of the fence i think you can see a lot of the unused space can i envision the pantry and development of the park coexisting in the same space that's a really good question i think that one of the things i've noticed about our neighborhood is that there's a lot of houseless folks who my vision would be like Philly has a lot of abandoned buildings, a lot of public space that we could be providing housing to folks. Like there do not need to be people without homes in this city. I would love for there to be, I mean, considering that this is like abandoned land or, or whatever the case may be, I, I would love for there to be, since there are people who are interested in developing it or, or creating something out of it, I would love for there to be intention around how are we including the visions of folks that are without homes. Like, what do they need? What do they desire? What do they envision? And how can that be, like, really intentionally incorporated into the plan rather than it being another space that is developed without them? Our built design, and what I mean by that is, like, how we physically build the spaces, whether it's parks or buildings, um, or as simple as park benches, is that oftentimes they're built to ensure that folks are not staying there for long periods of time the built environment that we create, make sure that we are displacing people, make sure that we are not welcoming to certain people by putting like a handlebar in the middle of a park bench so that somebody can't lay down. You have to be sitting upright. I think that this is my home. I think over the last year and a half, especially going through the pandemic and, and living in this space, I think that it's really reinforced my commitment to this neighborhood. I think that home is home is whatever you make it, right? I, I think that I really identify with the city of Philadelphia and over the last year and a half I've really begun to feel like I want to be grounded in the Callow Hill neighborhood and I want to ensure that I'm not just somebody else who's passing by or passing through but is actually partnering with the people who live in this space. That was Robbie Long and Samyukatha Rajan. Speaking of a growing neighborhood, we sat down with one of the lead developers in the area, Arts and Crafts Holding. I'm sorry, your name is? Nicole. Nicole, nice to meet you. You know, if I had to describe like the sort of demographic, it's like an interesting melting pot of people. You have all different types of folks. I mean, there are nursing students and young medical students that are living in some of these buildings. There are people working at Target living in these buildings. There are students. So, so far, it seems to be um, something that is affordable for uh, Philadelphia residents. My name is Craig Grossman, and I'm the general partner for Arts and Crafts Holdings, and we are a real estate development company here in Philadelphia. We have been in existence for six years. 
and we've been in the neighborhood for that period of time as well. We've acquired um, several properties that happen to be in and around, some of them actually touching the viaduct as we know it, and they're mostly commercial properties, so we've been trying to breathe new life into these buildings. Many of these assets have been deteriorating over the past 50, 60, 70 years, you know, former industrial buildings that once had interesting manufacturers and makers back in the day. And then they fell on tough times. This has been an, an area that's been passed over for decades. So we've tried to reimagine what those properties could look like. We were drawn to this area before, you know, the first phase of the rail park was completed. So we were really drawn here from a couple different perspectives. One is we like to look at the city from a sort of topographic perspective. So picture yourself in like a metaphorical helicopter, a thousand feet up in the air. And if you look down at the topography of the city, you would see that this pocket was ripe for development. And if, if you looked at the topography, like I said, you would see that this was in walking distance of the central business district. You could walk from where we're sitting right now at 6th and Spring Garden, 15 minutes or so, you could get to City Hall. You could walk to the center of Northern Liberties from here in 10 minutes. You could walk in 15 minutes to the center of Old City. You could walk up to Temple. So there's like a very centralized location from where we're sitting. And we thought that if we could activate some change here, and if we could start to create some development and some excitement, we would begin to sort of push that activation energy outward. And as those neighborhoods that I just mentioned were sort of moving closer to where we are, we would eventually meet. One of the hopes we had always had from this neighborhood when we brought in even food and beverage that the food and beverage options here would be accessible, they would be moderately priced, they wouldn't be overly designed, they would be neighborhood spots where you and I could go alone or with our partner or with our family, we could come here once a week or once every two weeks, not feel like you were spending a fortune to do that. So those are the kinds of, of businesses that we're, we've been attracting here. And those are, those are kindred spirits that run those businesses. So what's also pretty cool about it is that they like to work together because they realize they have so much in common with these entrepreneurs. And that's how a neighborhood really gets its soul, and that's how a neighborhood a neighborhood organically grows and really turns into, um, you know, a, a community with interesting color, taste. Like I said, a real soul. There's been a lot of talk about the rail park for years, um, so we didn't come here thinking that that was going to happen and we were relying on it to happen. You know, we were hoping to sort of create place and bring people here on our own. Having the green space, the elevated green space, a public park like that, that's something that Philadelphia doesn't have. Uh, so they now have the beginning of it. And to be able to expand that and extend it to bring more people to enjoy the view, the sights, the sounds, the green space up there. Um, you know, that's obviously something that would enhance what we're already doing. And I think it would continue to be, you know, a bit of a game changer for the neighborhood and the city if the rail park could grow to the south, to the north, and take up the rest of that space. That was Craig Grossman from Arts and Crafts Holding. 
The Cal Hill and Spring Garden area that surrounds the viaduct is growing, and it's attracting all kinds of people. Nicole sat down with business owners who love the neighborhood so much that they'd rather be there all the time. Live there, even. Here are the voices of new neighbors. I am a architect of, you know, grand design, just visually and, you know, energetically. And I actually had a vision of the rail park maybe seven years ago. I was in New York City and I was on their, you know, rail park, their version. Um, and I was like, Philly needs this. We need this outdoor experience that gets you from one part of the city to the other part of the city. Little, no and behold, not knowing that the rail park was, you know, in the works and coming and things like that. But um, it being here now, I just want to be a part of it. I'm like, how can I be a part of this, you know? And that's my question. I love the rail park. When my friends were living down here a few years ago, I remember when they were first having like the grand opening and I was just like, wait, there's like an art installation going on and it's on a like a park somewhere like where is this place so i've always loved like just watching them grow and watching the phase you know it's exciting looking like even across the street like that eventually will be a part of phase two we need those outdoor experiences you go up into you know um, germantown you get more trees you get more you know nature you know you go into east falls you go into even west philly has parks and things like that but being here in the city we're kind of separated from the nature of things and i think the rail park is gonna i hope that they do a really good job at just bringing the nature back bringing the there's already nature there you know don't take it down just you know make it immersive make make it uh available for people to enjoy it Harley. I am co-founder of uh, Soul Garden Studio. So my name is Quan Young and I am the co-owner of Soul Garden Studio. Soul Garden Studio um, is an incubator hub of healers and artists and therapists that uh, cross-pollinate with wellness and different artistic ventures. We're here just as a place to shed and heal and evolve, hoping that folks come here and um, heal others and then evolve into all the things that they're destined to be. Well, we were actually around the corner on 11th Street uh, for our first about maybe six months, um, and it just became a unhealthy situation for us. So we, you know, looked around and we were led to this space here just by getting tacos across the street. <laughs> um, and we saw this space and we wanted it and we made it happen, manifested it. I love the neighborhood. I feel that this community is like a melting pot of all the parts of Philadelphia area. So what you find is kind of like a conglomerate of people all over the um, the world that come here, as far as especially like with tourists, you have Chinatown not too far from here. So it's really like it's like pulled from other, other states, other countries, and then just all the facets of uh, Philadelphia. I noticed the influx in in, in my opinion, I, when I see breweries pop up or when I see uh, the development of some sort, I know that the neighborhood is coming up because people would invest in a neighborhood that wasn't, that didn't have plans. You know, so I saw the breweries popping up in the area. I have friends over at Triple Bottom. Um, and, you know, with seeing that neighborhood growth, 
you know, we just saw it. You felt it. We, we, when we see a couple of dilapidated buildings, we're like, okay, someone has plans for that. You know, we see a couple of the new trash cans around. We're like, okay, someone's making, you know, we were watching and we saw the, the, the normal things that come when changing a neighborhood. Definitely on the rise from the artistic side um, and just kind of beautifying the neighborhood. I do really love that the the type of team work that everyone has around here as far as just keeping it clean and even just with like I like to say path deferred, but like even like the homeless community that we have the shelter not too far. So a lot of folks from that shelter actually come and help us. We like, you know, give what we can and they have no place to go, so they wander upon these streets that didn't have any activity, you know, and now activity's coming into the neighborhood and now these people again have no place to go and no support. No one no one's thinking about the person sleeping on the, the curb, you know, when they're building the business. Because across the street, um, we know exactly, you know, some of the homeless people that, that are helping us in the morning just, like, will help sweep or something like that. We know exactly, like, where their bedding is. And that's where we normally take, like, clothes or food, and then we have extra there. But when you're walking around the neighborhood, you're seeing all of, you know, like, the needles and the bottles and all the bags and those things in the little parts of, you know, right outside of viaducts. And they have their, even their porta potties now are locked because of the things that could be going on when they're not being used. You know, because there's events, so you have to like walk around. So I take my kids. I'm like, oh, let's cross the street because I know which tunnels you know will have certain things in them that are just kind of inappropriate. So um, some of the plans that we're putting together, but these these gardens to beautify it because like we were saying there's it's an eyesore and it does attract the illegal things it does attract um bedding and homes for others so then there's fights you know we'll have an event we know the neighbor like the the neighbors and the homeless neighbors who are you know are mad at each other and then they're walking around with the bottles and right outside of our event we're just like could you take it down the street because they're fighting over God knows what. So just some of the things would be to just beautify it, lock lock things up. The pantry, we would have volunteers for that too. We have something that we have drafted for this corner here, right across from Viaduct, where right now is like graffiti and I think there's like a baby with a like an umbilical cord or something hanging out. And we actually asked um, the community manager for Callow Hill about who to contact if we wanted to start putting like mosaic murals or something there. So trying to figure out how to beautify it and then how to protect it. That was April Harley and Quan Young of the Soul Garden Studio. As you can hear, there are different perspectives on the viaduct and what a park system could mean for these neighborhoods as they continue to grow. What I appreciate about the people Nicole interviewed for this episode is that they're all thinking about community, however they define that and community is the driver of their work. Thank you for listening to Sounds of the Rail Park, a podcast and audio tour created by Friends of the Rail Park. You just heard our first installment of the Three Mile Vision series produced by local journalist, Nicole Curry. Friends of the Rail Park is the 501c3 organization that drives the vision behind the transformation of historic rail lines that traverse Philadelphia into a continuous three mile greenway a greenway that connects and enlivens the social, historical, and environmental fabric of Philadelphia's communities. Special thanks to our partners, Philadelphia Parks and Recreation, the William Penn Foundation, the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the 1830 Family Foundation, Comcast NBC Universal, PICO, the Philadelphia Cultural Fund, 
the Pennsylvania Department of Community and Economic Development, and the Board of Directors and many friends and members of the Friends of the Rail Park.